Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Well, we are one o'clock central time, two o'clock Eastern time. We were just talking about the time zones. Uh, we may have somebody on the line representing mountain time and, uh, and Pacific. So thank you guys so much for being here. We appreciate your time today. Uh, my name is Tony Bramley. I'm the director of business development at the Mortgage Collaborative. And with us today is our esteemed partner, Mr. Chris Bennett. How are you, Chris? Great, Tony. How about you? I am doing really well. Chris is with Vice Capital, uh, one of our oldest preferred partners, not you yourself, but the company's right. partners. Let's get that straight. Um, we are very uh, happy to have you today. I'm going to go over some tips and tricks uh, from pros for maximizing profits in a volatile market, which we definitely have right now. Um, just so that everybody knows as you're coming in, you guys are on mute. Um, but we do want this to be engaging. So please drop your questions or your comments in the chat or the Q&A, and we will go over those at the end of the presentation. Um, also, at the end of the presentation, if you have any uh, particular tips or tricks that can be uh, used, please feel free to join in the conversation. I will um, unmute you and you can provide us with your tips and tricks as well. We want everybody um, to come away um, edified and able to um, kind of deal with what we've got going on out there. So without further ado, oh, and as a follow-up, we will send an email um, with a uh, uh, connect with a link to the video for this session um, after uh, the video produces tomorrow. Great. So Chris, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to you. Great. Hey, well, thanks so much, Tony. I really appreciate it. Actually, I uh, really enjoyed looking through uh, the, the list of folks that are registered for it. A lot of, saw a lot of, a lot of names I recognize, a lot of friends, a lot of old friends on there too. So really glad everybody's taking a chunk out of their day to spend some time together, talk about things that are going on in the market and some things that we see in trading that, um, you know, even if you're a very, very experienced trader, even if and we're going to try and make this really all meat and no potatoes. So even if you only get one or two good ideas out of this half hour, they could be one or two good ideas that end up making or saving you fifty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars over the course of the next year. So hopefully there's something in it for everybody. Um, so any, anyway, with that, I'll get right at it. I'm going to share my screen during parts of this. Uh, we're going to get some trade web screenshots as kind of illustrate some of the points I'll be making. I can't show a live screen up there um, or else I'll get myself in trouble, but we've got some things that I'll share when it's time to do that. Um, so one of the big things that's happened um, in the last really 12 months compared to the couple of years before and really the years before that is the huge dramatic shift that we had in interest rates caused a lot of disconnect in what used to be very, very solidly and, and um, I guess, consistently performing markets in mortgage-backed securities for lots and lots of years. Um, not just 2020 and 2021, when most everything that we were doing was, frankly, the same coupon. Everything we did was twos and two and a halves and threes. Um, and we built up more and more of the universe in those coupons. Even prior to that, we didn't see, even though the market's going up, the market's going down, when you look at years past, we still had a universe of mortgages and mortgage-backed securities that were in this kind of solid chunk together. We had things that were threes, three and a half, fours, fours and a half, fives, and there were a lot of them out there. Um, and what really happened starting, I would say in late February, early March of last year, is a sudden dramatic shift upward in interest rates to areas where we hadn't really been originating any mortgages at all for, for several years. 
um, that caused a disconnect and that caused markets to not perform as well all the time like we've been used to. Um, it's not just the Fed stopping buying because that the markets have functioned plenty fine without the Fed buying for a large number of years. It really was having a case where suddenly we're needing to write loans at four, four and a half, five, five and a half, and six. And there aren't any mortgage-backed securities that we've been making out there. All the people that had those rates from years past, we refined them all in 2019, 20, and 21. So that's one of the biggest things that's changed um, and why we have cases now where we have markets that really aren't functioning very well for periods of time, not for entire days, but for periods of one minute, five minutes, sometimes an hour, where certain parts of the market aren't really functioning very well. So we're going to talk about how to kind of manage that new environment. Um, it'll get better month by month as we spend more time in this area. We generate more mortgages in this area and they become more liquid. Um, but for right now, anyway, we still have times that are a little difficult sometimes to navigate. So I'm going to do a screen share. And I'm going to also make sure that you guys can see what I'm putting up here, that we don't have any sort of technical glitches here. So just a, a comment or two in the chat, if you would, if you could tell me if you can actually see the trade web screen I've got up here. I don't see any yeses or nos. All right, I'm going to assume that we're good. Um, if not, drop a comment in the chat that uh, you can't see it. We can see it. All right, good We've deal. got some goods, yes. All right, we got some goods. Great. Um, so I'm going to kind of go through a few of these just to illustrate some of the points here. When this first started happening, this screenshot, I think, is from the end of July. Um, yeah, it looks like uh, the end of the, uh, yeah, the end of July of last year. So what started happening is, as interest rates shot up, we've got all these new coupons here. And really, frankly, for lack of a better term, no one knows what the hell they should be worth. Um, there aren't any that are out there. We're trying to make them, um, but there's hardly anything out there in the universe for us to be able to price to. Um, when investors, when I talk about investors, I mean end buyers of mortgage-backed securities, not Penny Mac or Amerihome or folks like that, but retirement funds, pension funds, insurance companies, people that want to have a nice 3 4 5% stable yield that's government-guaranteed or virtually government-guaranteed. They've got to model all these securities through to find out what should something be worth to them? How do they want to deploy their funds? These are parts of the decisions that the other side of our coin as originators are going through each day. So what we had here, I'm going to try and expand the screen a little bit so it's easy to see, um, or at least easier to see. Hopefully nobody's looking on there. If anybody's watching this on their cell phone, it's probably going to be really hard to see. But what we started happening um, are our new securities coming out there. And we started getting cases where we had rolls on new securities that we had of literally 16 and 20 ticks, um, things that were very, very difficult to price to. So what? If, how do you do that? How do you price the different things? Um, when you have a case where I, I need I need a five coupon, I need to be able to price a loan at five and a half or six percent, but every month that I go out cost me sixteen or twenty ticks. I'm having trouble getting to par pricing. Even how how am I going to do something like that? So what a lot of the uh, bigger players started doing is looking not just at these screens that weren't functioning very well, but making their own swaps of saying, all right, I'm really sure that a six should be uh, a point in four ticks higher than a five and a half. And a six and a half should be a point higher than that. And I think we can do this. And I think we can cross hedge this with liquid mortgage-backed securities and put a price out to the street to be able to not only just get par pricing, to, but to be able to compete against each other. So we had cases where there were a number of folks, whether it's from pulling pricing from best efforts, um, from investors, or from agency pricing that's out there, that were coming up with prices that were really very hard to get par even. Um, so we had to get creative. Um, and a lot of big players were doing that. 
some medium-sized players we're doing it too. We're trying to help people on our end to be able to find out, all right, what do we think we can get for this? What do we actually go to sell it in 45 or 60 days? What's the cost to properly cross-hedge that? What kind of price can we put out to the loan officers and put out to brokers or correspondents to be able to allow us to successfully compete and get business in? Um, one of the screens I want to show you, and, and actually you'll see this on a number of these screens, the screen I have set up here, we're going to look at a lot of trade web screens, whether you're pulling it in through Reuters, Icon, whether it's through Bloomberg. Um, it's kind of the, the 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 gold standard for for showing all this. Trade web's not the Bible, but it's it's the sort of the standard where all these transactions are taking place, um, where we can get a lot of price discrepancy or price transparency, even in cases where there's not a lot of price transparency. One of the things I'm going to show you here in this area, we're also going to pick up all the treasury prices that are out there in mortgage-backed securities. You know, they all trade on a swap level to treasuries uh, based on treasury yields. Just like Ginny's trade on a swap to Fannie's, Fannie's slash UMBS all trade, either up or down a certain percentage of what their comparable treasuries will be. So usually we're not looking at the 30-year treasury ever. We're really looking more like five-year treasuries and seven-year treasuries because on average, the average mortgage that's current coupon is going to last about five or seven years. I'm going to switch over here to a second trade web tab I've got to illustrate the times, this is from, let me see what I can get for a date here. This is from October of 2022, really illustrating what I was talking about where we were having a great difficulty getting par prices. Here, we'll get Fannie six and a half. Let's see if I can highlight this. So Fannie six and a half back here, trying to highlight this in yellow. Um, we've got 102.16, it says in November, but I need to price a loan that's 60 days out. And what's my price for that? It's par and five. Um, how am I going to price a loan to part of five and get anything? The last thing you want to do is short something where you're paying literally one, one point for every month you want to go out and roll. This is an example of a market that isn't mature yet and isn't functioning properly yet. So this kind of goes back to the point I was illustrating before where interest rates have gone way up. I need to find a way to price, to price my borrowers, but I don't have an effective way to do it if I'm actually going to price them as a 60-day lock. I've got to find a way to price them to current market calculate how long it's going to take to hedge for that long of a period of time, and then put a price out to the street. There are a lot of loan officers I talked to, branch managers back at that time that said, Chris, I've got all these borrowers. They, they're they they're okay with interest rates right now, but I literally can't quote them a par price. So I, I'm failing my, my fees and points tests. Um, it was a real big problem that took a lot of stuff to get around. One of the things we did, I talked about um, keeping track of swaps. A lot of big players would do this. Smaller players were trying to do this as well. We're trying to help people. Literally, when you have markets that aren't functioning like this, when you see down here, six and a half in December, see if I can highlight this properly. There we go. Um, bid side par 26, offer 102 and six. Not only is that something you'd never actually want to sell as a mortgage-backed security, but you don't really know what the real price is. So we would actually track, and we still do, and you probably can't see this piece of paper very well. These are all sorts of swap levels that we track and other big players would track as well, so that when they have screens that they can't price to, when they're not functioning properly, they can put out a good price to the street. And they can also know when it's time to go to market, what's a true and fair price for that. I'm gonna switch back to a different one now. Um, let's see what I've got in here. So one of the big differences that we've had compared to over 12 months ago are sometimes very wide bid-ass spreads on TradeWeb. Um, and just a, just a comment on TradeWeb, TradeWeb isn't the Bible. It's not, it, it isn't some sort of holy grail. Um, what it is is an indication of what 
big primary dealers are willing to actually pay for things. Um, a lot of business gets transacted through it directly. Um, in some cases, it's just kind of a good guide that dealers are using to know what is fair value, what are things trading at. And when we see wide bid asks in there, what you really have to identify is what is the true price? If you, if you have a market that is 99.16 bid, 99.17 offer, that's a really good, nice, tight market. You know that the fair value there is right in between those two, 99.16 plus. If it's 99.16, 99.17 bid and offer. What do you do when that spread shows five ticks, 10 ticks? It's important to know what the true fair value is. And we're going to come back to this theme several times when we're talking today. Um, you need to know what are treasuries, therefore, what should mortgages be, and be able to look. It's nice if you can actually, you'll see in a lot of these cases, I've got a graph over here to the side where we're, I'm graphing prices that trade web is showing here in mortgage-backed securities. You've got to know where are treasuries, where are mortgage-backed securities, what is that, what are we showing there, and what is truly the real market? Is the, is the real market for mortgage-backed securities that looks like it's 98.10 bid, 98.18 offer? Should that real middle price be 17? Or is the offer side actually not competitive and the real price should be down at 11? And the only way to know that is to watch the prices, to watch how comparable treasuries are trading to know what the real deal should be. In this particular case here, I'm going to highlight sixes. We've got sixes in December. It shows par one as a bid, par eight as an offer, a very, very wide market. What makes the most sense? One thing that you can tell when you look at TradeWeb is TradeWeb's change in the day. You can see we've got the change of the day listed here. Um, sixes are saying showing down 16 plus. When we look at the change of the day on mortgage-backed securities, TradeWeb is always doing that change based on the bid price. So when it says down 16 plus in the day, that's showing the bid price being 16 ticks worse than it was the close the previous day. If we go up here and look at treasuries, we can see, let me see if I can shrink this one second. The five-year treasury was down eight, seven-year was down nine, 10-year was down 11. So mortgages are going to tighten and they're going to widen during the day, but they don't move in chunks like this. They move in gradual amounts over a period of hours, not over a period of minutes. So we would expect that all of the things being equal, if we've got the fives down, five-year down eight, seven-year down nine plus, and 10-year down 11, the mortgages should be down eight, nine, 10. So when we see a wide market like this, like in sixes, where we're, we're showing par one and we're down 16, we know that most likely that bid side is junk. We shouldn't have Fannie sixes down 16. The treasuries are only down about nine ticks. Now, if I were to fast forward time, I can't, I can't really go back now to October, but if we fast forward in time, three or four minutes later, we might very well find that that offer side was still par eight, but now the bid side had come up to par six. We're showing now down only 11 ticks on the day. That's now much more indicative of a properly functioning market. So that's how things show on TradeWeb is, TradeWeb is pulling in from dealers. Here's where I'm willing to offer bonds. Here's where I'm willing to bid bonds. And sometimes they're widespread. And now you have a case where, so here's our screen, par one, par eight. Now we have a trade get done at par six plus. Boom, now TradeWeb updates, updates to show we just did a bid at par six plus. And now that looks nice. That's normal. People see, oh, wow, the market just jumped up four ticks, five ticks. Um, and now what happens is no trades get done. And now that dealer... That, that six plus fades back away. And now we're back to where those dealers are kind of sitting down there in the bottom at par one, par two. Nobody's going to be hitting those, or at least they shouldn't be. There are a number of people probably who do and say, hey, I got my screen. I got a tick above my screen. Great. Not realizing that they've actually traded into a market that was way below fair value in terms of the bid side of that price. I'm going to take one, one, uh, one break here just to catch my voice.
So I'm going to bring up a couple other examples here. These examples are actually from much more recent than July and from October. These are from uh, January 17th and January 18th. If you remember last month, I'm trying to think of what it was. It was CPI. Whatever it was that came out um, was very, very bullish. And the we, instant reaction in treasuries, a little bit of a subdued reaction in mortgages. But I want to illustrate again how we can take a look through the screens to find out what's good, a good fair value for mortgage-backed securities. So huge rally day. Again, this is, this is last month. We can see our treasuries over here. I'm highlighting this properly. We've got five-year up uh, 11 ticks, the seven-year seven year up 17 ticks, the 10-year up even 24. That's going to be obviously more correlated to a lower coupon mortgage-backed security because that's a longer duration. So we've got a big rally in here. And what are we getting in mortgages? Well, we've got one good tight market here. If you guys can see, Fannie Fives, we have a nice tight market here. Par 14 plus on the bid side, par 15 plus on the offer side. That's a really nice market. We're up 15. Now we'll get four and a halves. We've got a six tick market and we're showing only up 12. What that tells us, because again, the change in the day is based on the bid price, is that the bid price is crap. The offer side price is correct, but if fives are up 15, we expect four and a halves to be up at least that, if not maybe 16, 17, or 18. So what we should see here is that the offer side might be fine if you need to get an offer done, but on the bid side, this is not something you're going to want to hit. That doesn't mean you can't go out to dealers and try and get bids. We know that if we're trading four and a halves in March, 98.20 is crap for a price. We should be getting something done at 98.23, 24 type area. We got the same thing here with five and halves and with sixes. Bid ask spreads that are just crazy. When we have a case when treasuries are up 10, 17, 24 ticks, we show Fannie sixes up zero unchanged. Uh, that's just that's an offer side price that's correct and a bid side price that just isn't. So what, what we need in a lot of these markets, frankly, is patience. Um, you got to spend a lot of time looking at them. Got to click on these things and pull up graphs, pull up a graph of the bid side, pull up a graph of the offer side and try and find where exactly is that true value? Where is that midpoint? Um, go out there, whether it's from phone calls or from software that you use, however it is, go out there and get as many prices as you can. And to the extent that you can, there are a number of dealers who, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, they're kind of just taking things and providing liquidity and flipping things out on TradeWeb themselves to the Bank of America's and J.P. Morgan Chase and Morgan Stanley's and Goldman Sachs's of the world. But there's also a number of dealers, whether they're primaries or regionals, that make their own markets. Um, and those dealers right now are actually making a lot of money because we have times where we've got these wide bid ask spreads. They can get deep inside of them, win bids, and flip them around for a really nice profit to those end buyers I just talked about, people like retirement funds, insurance companies, pension funds, municipalities. So for dealers that are out there making good markets, uh, they're making a lot of money right now and they're winning a lot of business. The next thing I want to flip this over to, I don't want to make sure I don't click on the wrong button here. There we go. This is now, sorry, let me see if I can move this real quick. All right, I'm going to maximize this back up. All right, so here's another great example. This is that same day um, when we had a huge rally in treasuries. If you look over here in treasuries, widen this back out here, we've got the five-year up 23, seven-year up a buck 01, and 10-year up a buck 11. But what do we have going here in mortgages? Our four and a halves that we talked about, we still have a widespread. We're not nearly where we need to be. Fours are. And fours, we've got this really nice tight market, at least comparatively tight. 97, 97, two fours are up a point. Good fair value. What are fives doing? Those same fives that were up 17 ticks before, the markets rallied even further. 
they're showing only up eight because now we have a case where there's no good bid for them. What we need to do again is just be patient. We know what fair value is. We know where we need to be. If I pull over this other part of the screen, this is a graph. This actually was Ginny Fives. But if you look over here at this graph, let me see if I can go over the side. Here we go. Nothing happened here that made bonds tank. In fact, treasuries are on their all-time highs. But what happened, this is a graph of the bid side, is suddenly the bid for this just simply dried up. There was no dealer putting something out there. So we went from par 24 to par 10. Now, if you as, um, as a lender were putting pricing out now and you priced a par 10, everyone would scream that your price is suddenly a half a point below the market. You have to be able to, whether it's using swaps or just knowing where this market should be, put out a price to the street that's the correct price because what's going to happen if I fast forward to time five minutes, boom, we'd be right back to par 24, which is where that fair value is. Um, you have to be careful about this. There's agency effects on this too. When Fannie and Freddie put out cash pricing, a lot of times they're tied into these um, trade web prices. So when there's a case where trade web suddenly, and this is an extreme example because it was a huge rally, drops suddenly by 14 ticks, Fannie and Freddie's cash price for that coupon also will drop suddenly by, by that same 14 ticks and flip back. So you've got to be very careful. Even if you say, well, we've got APIs and we pull in threat from Fannie and Freddie for cash, and that's how we price to the street. That's how we're executing. That's great, except in cases where we have this. Um, so you've got to make sure, well, however you're using that cash pricing, whether it's to price to your loan officers, to price to your best X model, that you've got a real price in there. And it isn't something that is temporarily subdued because we've got an, an issue with TradeWeb where there's no dealer putting out a bid there for that minute. And now it comes back two or three minutes later. The next one I want to show, let me make sure, there we go. I just had to get something out of the way there. This last example here is a good way to see what I'm talking about of this flutter back and forth on the bid side. This here, this graph is a graph of Fannie Fives. And this is actually just from, uh, this is actually from the 18th. If you look here, we've got a case that got a huge rally, par 23, par 10, back to par 22, back to par 10, back to par 20. This is just, it's a very, it's a very easy way to show by example, when you pull it up on a graph, this flutter of having the bid side suddenly drop out and come back, drop out and come back. How do you use that to your advantage? Well, you can just make sure you're not using it to your disadvantage. You can make sure that you're pricing to a real price and that you're only executing at a real price and not, not falling victim, I guess, to a case where suddenly the price has dropped and you think that the market actually has dropped when it actually hasn't. All that's happened is the bid side has sort of fallen apart. Um, and even though there's plenty of trades that aren't going to happen through TradeWeb, it's used as a basis for a lot of other bids that are truly put out there by all sorts of other dealers. Next, what I want to show, um, and really, I was going to actually get into a little bit about how some of these dealers do things, but I want to make sure to, to, get, um, to get to the other parts of this. One of the things to keep in mind um, when you're hedging is that in all these cases, what you're doing, unless you can actually form these mortgage-backed securities and you're planning to deliver them, is that you're making a short bet. You're betting that the price of whatever mortgage-backed securities you're using as hedge instruments are going to go down. And you're doing that to protect the value of all these loans that you're hedging, all the stuff in your closed inventory, all the things in your locked pipeline. You're wanting to use only those most liquid instruments so that A, you know you can get out of them properly, and B, you know they're going to perform. We talked about, I was actually kind of surprised when I saw some folks last, last year when interest rates first shot up 
people are trying to originate things that are six and six and a half coupon, even seven coupon. And I'm hearing of people and seeing people use things like six and a half for hedges. They were paying 16 ticks a month to roll out two months um, and trading into markets that were terribly wide because they had this mentality of, well, I'm going to originate 7% FHA loans. They're going to go into a Ginny May six and a half coupon security. I have to have a Ginny six and a half coupon security or it's not going to be a good match. What you need to do is when you have cases where that underlying mortgage-backed security isn't liquid at all and has a ridiculous roll cost, you have to just cross-hedge it. You can't use that as a short. It doesn't have to be a one-to-one match. I mean, it can be a one-to-one match, but it's going to dramatically underperform. You can, on average, be much, much better off by cross-hedging with only those liquid mortgage-backed securities. Sometimes we think kind of as originators that we're thinking in terms of how we're originating loans right now. Um, we're writing fives, five and a half, six percent loans. So we're thinking four and a half, five, five and a half, six coupon mortgage-backed securities. But the truth out there is that even though we as an industry supply oh two or three billion, soon it'll be about four billion a day in new mortgage-backed securities, there's about a hundred billion that trade in mortgage-backed securities every day. And a lot of what's trading are twos, two and a half, threes, all these things that we all made in 2021, 2020, and 2019. That's where a lot of the action is going on. So don't think that something that's a low coupon mortgage-backed security will be less liquid because we're not originating it. It'll actually be more liquid because even though we're not actively writing a lot of those right now, that's almost the whole universe of mortgage-backed securities that are out there being traded constantly by all these investors, all these end buyers of it. Um, So again, you have to remember that we don't want to use the term betting because people get people get all flustered by that. But when you're hedging, you're actually making a short bet. You've got to make sure that it's something you can get out of easily. It's something you can roll cheaply and roll easily. Um, and on rolling, make sure, don't wait to the last minute when you're rolling things. You, these roll markets are very tight. It's a great way to use things. Don't just pair off one mortgage-backed security and sell the, the same thing in the next month, an hour from now, two hours from now. You want to use those roll markets to your advantage because they're very, very, very tight. Um, but sixes is something, actually, I'll pull this up. What can happen, and this happens from time to time, and it happened, we saw it last month, we saw it again in sixes. Um, actually, it's going to be a different one. Um, where we have a short in the market, um, where suddenly a fair value on a roll that should be, say, four ticks, suddenly blows out. This is Fannie sixes from just uh, three days ago. Suddenly, this February, March roll right here blew out to eight ticks when fair value is only four ticks. How do you know what fair value is? Fair value is basically coupon minus Fed funds divided by 12. If you're a buyer of the security and you can get a 6% security in February or March, what's the difference in price to you? Well, if I get a March security, then I've got one month where I can make Fed funds and then I get my March security. Where if I get a February security, I get my 6% right now. The difference between those two is basically the coupon minus 30-day LIBOR or SOFR now. Um, divided by 12 because it's only one month. So we want to make sure that that we don't wait to the last minute, where unless we're going to actually form the security and deliver it ourselves, we're going to find ourselves in a rough situation of having to having a much, much higher roll cost than we expected. Roll early, roll often. There's so many times I see people or hear folks that they wait until literally the day before 48-hour day, and then they just roll all their trades. Well, guess what? There's a lot of other people doing that too. And you can have a real issue where there's a short and you're having to really pay through the nose to roll those trades out. A couple other things that I want to show. There are examples. I know we're coming up on time here. I mean, I want to be able to have time to, um, to see if there's questions that people have here. So 
I hope people don't mind if I, if we go five or ten minutes over here. Uh, Tony, you can yell at me if I, if it's a hard stop. One of the things that I want to show in these last two things um, is again we talk about Flutter. So here's the price of Fannie Sixes. This actually was from yesterday, and as we look over on our graph here, which is based on the bid side, I'm going to go a little bit so we can see it here. Fannie Sixes. We have a case where we're going up and down. 101.30, We're seeing the bid side drop and jump up and down by spans of five or six ticks. Again, mortgages can widen, mortgages can tighten throughout the day relative to treasuries. We're talking about one, two, and three ticks over the course of a day, not five ticks in the course of one or two minutes. So that's another illustration of why it's important to know what's the real price. If we go here, this is from that same time period, but now we can get a chart of the offer side price on TradeWeb for that same security. You can see we've got a very, very steady, steady graph. It's things were selling off a little bit, but we don't have that flutter. The offer side was solid the whole time. It was the bid side that was fluttering up and down. So you've got to be careful of that because again, Danny and Freddie cash pricing will tie into that. Um, and investor pricing can too. Let's say you're selling loans to investors and you're ready to pull the trigger. And you're looking and suddenly it, the investors try to tell you that the market's two ticks worse than when you got the bids from them. You need to be able to know that actually, no, it's not two ticks worse. We're actually two ticks better when they were back then. And any investor that's worth their salt um, should be able to kind of, even if they have to go to a supervisor and say, oh, yep, yeah, I agree with you. We're going to go ahead and make that adjustment. You don't want to have a case where you're blindly trusting what shows on the trade web screen and thinking that's the real market when it really isn't the real market. Um, so that's the, in terms of endpointers, that's one of the big things is you need to be able to tell what's real. Another one I wanted to bring up is, remember, you're never, when you need to lift, when you need to buy back one of these, pair off one of your hedges, you're never at the mercy of any dealer. It's important to deal with dealers who will take assignments from each other. So that if you're not getting a good role, you're not getting a good offer from a dealer you have a position on with, get it from another dealer. That's okay. You can, you can buy loans back. You can roll loans with any dealer you want, whoever has the best offer for you. Go ahead and assign that original trade to the dealer that won it, and now you're out. That's a very normal course of business. So you're never, ever on the hook. There's a lot of people that don't realize that, that think that, well, my position's on with dealer XYZ, so I, I don't really like the offer, but I got to kind of take what I can get. You never have to take what you can get. You can always make all your same dealers compete on the offer side the same way that you do on the bid side. I know I kind of talked a long period of time without taking a breath. Tony, do we have thing, people that have uh, come in with some comments or questions through the chat that you want to bring out? No question. Oh, we just got one. Okay, okay so um, regarding the assigning of trades, can you comment on how the broker dealers feel about that and how it can possibly affect the future quotes? Yeah, that's actually really good. Um, how do they feel about it? They prefer you didn't because they prefer to make extra money on the other side of the trade. But if they want to do that, they need to be competitive. Um, in the end, every one of these dealers has to compete for your business on every side of it, the buy side, the offer side, on rules. Um, and just because a dealer doesn't give you, let's say you're looking to, I don't know, you're trying to buy back Fannie five and a halves in March, and you go to the dealer, you got the position on, and, and you're getting an offer, and it's not a very good offer. That doesn't mean that dealer is trying to screw you, especially if they're a good dealer who makes their own markets. It just means they're not a very good seller right now of that mortgage-backed security. So that's okay. So you get a deal, you can get the offer from somebody else and assign the trade over. That was their choice. Um, you could always go back and say, you know, hey, let's say, I don't know, you, you think that you should be able to, you're buying this, these bonds back from other dealers at 102 and 8. And they come to you and they say 102 and 9. Again, they're not screwing you over. They're making markets and they would much rather buy bonds than sell bonds at this level. 
So what you can do is come to them and say, hey, you know what? I'm actually, these other ones, I'm buying them at 102 and eight away. Um, do you care? Can you match 102 and eight so I don't have to sign it? And I bet 80% of the time they'll say, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Then at least they get to make something as opposed to making nothing. Um, but in terms of like making a dealer mad, no dealer should ever be mad that you're going to assign a trade away. They've got to compete. And if they're not able to compete, that's okay. You've got to do what makes the most sense and assign it away and buy it back from somebody who, who will. Excellent. Very good question, by the way. Any other questions? Please feel free to drop them in the chat. I know, Chris, you've, you've covered all of these, some of the questions that you threw out in your description for the yeah. session or, you know, um, do what do I do when the markets are um, illiquid? How can some of my competitors be beating me, my price by 50 um, basis points? And then when should we be selling our loans and how do we know we've got the right timing? I know you've covered these, um, but if you want to... Uh, kind of solidify that? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And timing matters a lot, right? There's, and again, these are, you know, kind of, I hear some stuff around the horn. Um, you want to make sure that, let's say you're selling loans to investors or the agencies for cash. You've got to make sure that you're selling these at a time that's also going to work for removing your hedges. You've got everything planned out and be willing to switch gears. Uh, you might have a case where, well, you know, we got this all site, um, set up. I planned on pairing out of X and Y against it, but I'm not getting good markets there. But I've got good markets in Z. I'll just beta weight that and figure out what the equivalent of pairing off Z would be, and I'll do that instead. So you got to be able to be a little flexible. You've also got to be a lot patient. Um, it can't just be that, well, we trade at 3:30 every day, or well, we like to execute to the agencies for cash at two o'clock, and whatever it is, it is. Um, you can't be <laughs> the mentality right now of whatever it is, it is. You've got to make sure those two pieces are talking to each other, the sell side and the buy side, and that you're only operating in good markets. And in addition, when you're when you're working, if you're starting the agencies for cash, you've got to make sure that you've got the proper cash price. If you do all your best execution work and you're expecting, you know what prices you're expecting for each note rate, you've got to make darn sure when you go to pull that trigger that that's the exact note rate they have as well. And you don't have a case where the market fluttered, suddenly the agency drop price dropped by 16 basis points when the market didn't actually move. You've got to wait to make sure that you're getting the price you're expecting to receive before you pull that trigger and pull the trigger on both sides of it. Well, thank you, Chris. I love that. I don't see any other um, questions in the chat. I love that you bring, you know, like a sports analysis persona to the market <laughs> because I, I, that's, I, I just kept thinking about uh, that's kind of how you deliver it and the, the, the cadence and the emotion that you have behind it. So I, I love that. It, and it, it gets me excited, even though most of the time I have no idea what you're talking about. But <laughs> I appreciate well, thanks, it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, so much for, for joining the call. I really appreciate everyone carving out some uh, some time of the day. And if anybody has follow-up questions or things they want to chat about, um, I'm always available. See Bennett at vicecapitalmarkets.com. Drop me an email. Give us a ring. Um, love talking about all things markets. So anytime. Excellent. Um, Chris's uh, information will be on the follow-up email tomorrow, as well as a link to this video. Uh, once again, appreciate uh, you guys coming to TMC Connect today. And uh, please feel free to drop by again for any of our other sessions. Really appreciate it, Chris. Thank you always for bringing such excellent information to the network. And we really appreciate your partnership. My pleasure, Tony. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.